It has been said that silence is golden, and sometimes that's true. But as the world continues to face wave after wave of controversial news stories and polarized opinions on a whole variety of issues from guns to abortion to the nature of climate change and what we should do about it, the question of whether or not companies and individuals should and could even remain silent on these topics is an important one. The role of PR is often to manage communication, often to direct and help executives strategize about what to say and when. But that's not easy, and it's certainly not easy when controversial issues in a very charged environment dominate so much of the media and news cycle. Today's episode of Copper State of Mind is a little bit different. We are going to talk about objectivity, neutrality, whether or not you should or even can stay silent on some of these issues. Our host, of course, is Abby Fink, Vice President and General Manager of HMA Public Relations. And I have questions for Abby. I want to know how she thinks about these issues. They're certainly not easy. They're certainly important. They affect the lives of hundreds of millions of people. And so, Abby, what's on your mind is the question on my mind. I know we usually say that at the beginning of the show here, but I want to start with this, Abby. You got into public relations. You often tell the story about how, as a young girl, you had a problem with the way your school had canceled the dance and you took a stand and did something about it. You sort of used that as your origin story. So you're someone who sticks up for things when you see that they're right or wrong, right? Most of the time, yes. You know, the that role of advocacy is so important in communications. My sixth grade story was not, you know, I didn't know then it was going to lead me on a path to a career. But yes, it's important to, you know, be, as a friend of mine says, an upstander instead of a bystander. When you see things that need to be addressed, you should be the person that does it. Now, without getting into, this is not a show about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. This is not a show about gun legislation. This is not a show about climate change. In other words, we're not here to share our opinions about these topics and try to defend those points of view. We are here to talk about the difficulty of navigating an environment where everyone has an opinion. By the way, some of those people are just flat wrong. I think we should just say that. (laughs) But we're not going there. (laughs) <laughs> we're not going there. Uh, it's funny because you, you, you mentioned earlier today, we were talking about this, that the word uh, that we should use is controversial. And I said, well, it's only controversial if you accept that that maybe both sides are valid. And clearly one side is wrong. Correct. Abby, you represent clients and you advise clients. Uh, you also have your own opinions. The, the question of how to navigate this and is, a, is being apolitical even an option? anymore is really important. So why don't we just start with that? As you see the the news headlines and the stories being reported, and as you see the outrage on social media and uh, from a variety of different perspectives and points of view, what does this make you think about your professional obligations? And it's such a good question. And and honestly, the the answer evolves. It's an evolving response. But I think where I, I fall back on is this idea of authenticity. And, you know, the 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 circumstances that are circulating right now and in, in our time frame right now 
are, you know, we, we want, we want to react and we, we oftentimes have a very quick reaction to the news that we're hearing either side, wherever you fall on it. And the, we should, we should say something, we should issue a statement, we should post something on Facebook and, and maybe you should, but I want the, a step backwards and look at it and, and consider it from an authentic point of view. And what does making a statement mean? What will it, what will the results of making that statement do for your, you know, your organization? And then recognizing that if you, this isn't whether you do it or don't do it, it's about the impact that that will have. And so, um, there has been a lot of conversations amongst my colleagues over the last um, several days uh, about should we be saying something? What what should I allow my employees to say something? What if my employees have differing opinions from my opinions? Or what if what they say is in conflict with what a client would believe in? And it's this roundabout discussion, and and they're all very valid questions. And I I, I settle back on this. You know what? What do we stand for as an organization? And are are we and will we stand for this particular viewpoint now and forevermore? You know, I mean that 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 that. However, we choose to react at this particular moment on this on a particular topic or this particular topic. Does it align with our business principles? Does it? speak to who we are as an organization? Does it encapsulate, you know, who we are both as a business and the individuals that we interact with? And when you can answer those questions and confidently believe in what you're saying, then by all means, you know, be out there and do something. I think consumers are holding businesses to a higher standard. They are expecting large brands and large corporations to take a stand um, in the, you know, immediate, you know, the news cycle immediately following the decision on Roe v. Wade had a whole list of businesses that were going to, on both sides, we will support this, we will support that, we will provide for our employees, we will do this, we will do that. And for as many organizations as you might agree with, on the way they were standing, there are likely that many that you disagree with. And the business themselves makes that, you know, needs to make that decision. The toughest part, I think, for a consultant such as myself is when personal viewpoint differs from potentially corporate viewpoint and the 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 guiding principles of what our clients are doing or saying. Now, let me talk about that a little bit. I I don't of, I, I don't often I don't always have to agree with a direction um, that a client may choose to take. But what I do have to agree, agree with is that I can stand in principle with what they're deciding to do. That I may not it might not might be my advice, it might not be how I would approach it but that we've come to this conclusion and this is what's going to be the case. And so if I'm going to be a spokesperson for an organization or I am going to be front and center on the on the external communications, internal communications of what's being, I need to know that I can be comfortable with the position that I'm taking. 
And in the event that I cannot, then I am no longer the right person to be having these discussions. I, I can't advise you correctly. And my advice is not in line with, you know, where you are as an organization. And there, there's v- just as much value in that as, as proceeding. And so I, I advise in this conversation around these more controversial, um, politically charged conversations that, that ask us to think politically how we believe what our moral and ethical compass might tell us to do, what what society believes is is the right answer, what is, you know, my personal opinion, and determine if there is a place for those things to come together and be able to make a statement, uh, share information that you can stand up for and stand beside and... Um, in the days to come, you know, in the, in the moments after you, you know, you share that information and it's a tough, it's tough. It's a tough place to be. Certainly from a media perspective, I think it's important to understand how significantly different the context is in 2022 than it was in 1952 or 62 or something. Some imagined golden age where there was only three channels and a bunch of white guys decided what was going to be on TV. And, you know, and they were, quote unquote, objective about their presentation of it. I think it's important to understand that that objectivity was always quite narrow and privileged in what it looked at. But the attempt to sort of not take aside as a legacy newsroom editorial policy um, has has shifted over time, although I'm sure I'm sure there are leaders in the media that would want to debate this endlessly. What we've seen is the emergence of what I personally call the outrage economy. And what I mean by that is business models that are driven by the emotional reactions of the people consuming their product. So and this is not one side or the other side of our political spectrum. It's literally everybody makes more money, the more angry and afraid and, you know, and so on that you are, the more glued you are, the more you, the more you return to consume the product, the news, the media, uh, you know, that this changes things. So we now have an increasing polarization that that's, that's absolutely clear. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but in any case, it is what it is. The, 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 the media and the consumption of the media is creating these increasingly polarized audiences. Fine. Our goal as communicators is to communicate, right? We, we still need to get the right message to the right person in the right place at the right time so that the businesses that we work with get the business results that they want. In other words, we're trying to navigate this minefield as it changes underneath us. Do you think the increasing polarization of media more generally and audiences in, for sure in particular changes how you have to think about this? In other words, does that back you into any kind of corner or do you think you're still able to rise uh, above that as a matter of principle? Well, it's a lot, lot in that question. Um, I, you know, I, I need to believe that Objectivity still exists and in 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 the media, and that consumers have a responsibility for getting their content in a variety of different places. 
Now that's a lot of res- that's a lot to put on the consumer. You know, you you will we all tend to go to the thing that appeals to us the most, whether we're talking about news or our favorite coffee shop. I mean, we're you know we're going where we where we feel they align with the what what I think about. But smart news consumers should take advantage of the multiple ways that we can get information and to form their own opinion about particular topics based on their ability to find out information. Can we rise above it? I think we have to. I think we have to try to do everything that we can, you know, to do that. Now, there are, you know, the work that that I do and, and my agency does is you use the word apolitical. We we don't do politics. We don't, you know, we don't support um, the, the, we don't do work within the political structure. We don't, you know, work with candidates and things like that. We work with, you know, more business type products. And, and by the way, there are PR agencies that do do yes. that, 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 that are specifically working on issues and candidates and campaigns and things of that nature. Right. And do it very well and do it very well. And um, and should continue to do that work because that those those things need to be amplified as well. But I, I, I think as an industry, the communications industry as a whole has to continue to look at the at this from a we we need to be objective. We need to be presenting information and not opinion. And that's where the where they think the breakdown happens is that opinion becomes the information and becomes the the prevailing thought um, based on what's broadcast each evening or what we can read in the newspaper. You know, there were there in my early career, as you there were only a you know small number of television stations. There was one or two radio stations. There was one daily newspaper, and you know to the extent that that was your media outlets, you you were being fed information through their filter. You know you may not have realized it because there wasn't anything else to compare it to. But today's you know news consumer has a plethora of media outlets for them to get their information from, and both the traditional printed newspaper, the magazines, the broadcast outlets, what we can see in, in our um, social media feeds to some extent is more opinion than fact. But the, 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 the responsibility of how we communicate information and whether or not to be part of a dialogue on subject matters that are considered controversial happens before a controversial topic presents itself. You know, the the day to decide if we're going to issue a statement is not the day the statement needs to be issued. It needed to been, you know, discussed. Are we going to be in this discussion? How are we going to be there? What's our policies going to be? Are we prepared for, you know, the pushback that could or couldn't occur? Have we informed our employees and our other stakeholders that we're going to be doing this? It's it's not waking up that morning and saying this decision was made and here's our statement. That's where we get in trouble as businesses is that knee-jerk reaction versus having a thoughtful conversation wherever you're going to fall, but have it so that everyone involved with it is comfortable that that's going to be the public stance on a particular issue and be prepared for the support from some and the um, anger from others because it will happen. There's not going to be in it's, uh, both sides of these of these more controversial issues will present themselves. Some of these uh, specific 
issues do become a PR challenge or opportunity for specific companies, specific clients uh, of a PR firm or agency. Others of them are not a PR issue for the company, but the company may have a position or point of view or think they should develop one and communicate that. Um, What's the role of the PR professional as that outside sounding board, as that consultant and advisor to a company who's trying to think through some of these provocative, controversial, and very heavily charged because, not because always the topic itself is charged, but because there is an audience that has been activated and polarized and is out there already (laughs) raging and on Twitter and everywhere. Uh, What's the role of the PR professional in helping that company navigate through these questions? Should you develop a position? Should you communicate that position? How should you communicate that position? Um, Is staying silent really the best option? Is that even ethical when the issue at hand affects so many people, et cetera, et cetera? Well, and and staying silent in itself is a statement, right? Yes. I mean, if no statement is a statement if you want to carry that out. Well, you 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 started that by by categorizing us as counselors and advisors. And that's really where that name comes into play is that if it we if we have established this relationship in such a way that we are seen as a trusted advisor and a trusted counselor on all sorts of business decisions, they don't have to be you know, controversial in nature, that when something more controversial presents itself, our viewpoint is valued by that company, the decision makers at the company. And I think the, you know, the the top of mind things that happen in those discussions, again, rely back on your, you know, who you are as an organization and what you stand for and and why this particular issue is where you are going to make a statement. And, and, and is what you are saying in line with, you know, who you are as an organization. But I think the toughest part for this is the business may make a statement, but it's, it's truly not the business that, you know, a business doesn't make a statement. It's the people behind that business that have made that decision. And so for me, that means the people have to be part of this decision making. So it can't just be CEO of company says, this is what we're going to say and put it out on all of our social channels. We need to be talking to our teams and the and individuals in our company that are going to, who proudly say, I work for X company and need to still be able to say, I proudly work for X company and this is what they're doing as it relates to this particular product or process. Doesn't mean everybody's going to agree with you. And the likelihood is that not everybody will agree with you. But are you willing to stand up for that particular issue and and follow it all the way through? And those are the brands I think that we're that we as consumers stick with. I don't have to agree with you, but I have to support the fact that you had an opinion and that you chose to abide by it. I again, personal opinions versus what is right for the business are often in conflict with each other. Um, you know, up until recently, and let's just say maybe in the last you know fifteen or years or so, we didn't talk about some of these things 
as a, a at all, right? We didn't, you didn't know if, you know, if I was registered to vote under what party I was registered to vote. You didn't know that, you know, if I practiced a religion or not. You had no idea. We just didn't, we didn't discuss those things. And as my mother would say, polite company, we didn't do that. You know, it wasn't anybody's business. We didn't talk about those kinds of things. Well, now it's so much a part of daily conversation. And, and it's partly because it's, we are, we have so many access points to information that talking about politics and registering to vote and did you vote and what candidates and issues like what we're seeing and all, it's just right there in our, in our faces all day, every day. And so we can't help but talk about it. And you and I had a 40 minute conversation before we started recording about this topic because you just, you, you can't help but have it. And uh, it's, it's balancing the need to say something with what are we going to say and is it the right time and the right place for that to be said? There's no right or wrong answer, which is the difficult part. But if you're going to do that, you know, be confident and be sure that you are going to stand by those statements, you know, forevermore. You know, it's interesting. I just had a thought. I'm not sure that the historian or sociologist uh, in me could actually back this up, but I think I have a hunch at least. So I'll, I'll air it as a hunch. But I think if we look at how some of those workplace norms developed, it really is in an industrial age where the nature of the work itself and why people were gathered together in this particular place, whether it was a factory or an office or you know, a, a government building or whatever, meant that the work itself was of a particular kind. And that work doesn't really happen so much anymore. In fact, so much of the work we do does, in fact, touch on, quote unquote, soft topics. And there is a lot of crossover between what's going on outside the building and what's going on inside the building. And certainly have, as uh, workers have gotten more rights and more access to, uh, to you know, unions and other other kinds of ways of representing themselves to themselves and to the company and to the outside world a lot of uh, there's been just a lot of crossover so the idea of you go to work you do your job and you go home th- that kind of job doesn't exist so the nature of the workplace itself has changed and people do have identities they've always had but people do have identities people like to deride identity politics fine but people still have identities. They still have a way they think of themselves and they want to be thought of and the way they want to interact with others and what has them feel seen and heard and known uh, versus what has them feel alienated and suppressed and what workplace, and I don't, although I'm using fuzzy left-wing sociology words here, what workplace wouldn't want people to feel seen and heard and known? That's what drives retention. That's what drives performance. Like, come on, this is not a, this is not a partisan thing, right? Humans need to be known and appreciated. We've talked about this endlessly. So in an environment where personal politics, identity, structural issues that affect people's real lives, economic issues, et cetera, all of these things are intersecting in workplaces. And as business leaders, executives, decision makers have to confront, all right, what what do we do now? (laughs) Like, how do we represent ourselves to ourselves, but also to the world? That makes the role of the the PR advisor or the in-house communicator all that much more important. But 
you're not necessarily trained in psychology, sociology, history, et cetera. Like you're, you're, you're not a therapist and you're not an activist. I, I mean, maybe you are, both not you personally, but maybe someone listening to this is one or both of those things. Okay, great. But in your role as a communicator, you're there to help think through the communication itself. Um, it just, it just complicated. How do you handle that? Well, it's extremely complicated. And, and if, if, I guess where I would go with this is, is let's, let's think about, let's think about the internal discussion first, right? So you're a big business, you're a small business, you're an entrepreneur with three employees, wherever you fall in that spectrum, the, the, you have to take the pulse of your organization and and see where those individuals are falling. Now, it is not, it, I don't think it's appropriate to go into the workplace and say, so Adrian, how do you feel about fill in the blank as, as the owner of the company or as the, you know, the, the boss? It's not my business to ask you those questions, but it should be my business to create an environment where that conversation can take place. That, that as you said, if they bring their authentic self to the, to the office, then some of these things have to be there. And we have to create an environment that allows those types of conversations to take place without judgment and without ramification for the, the belief. And the likelihood is for the four people that are in a particular room, there's going to be four different viewpoints of what an issue like what we're talking about you know, may, may mean, you know, the, per, the they are going to bring their personal um, viewpoint and their personal opinions to the table. It just, it just has to happen. So we have to, it, we have to create space for that conversation to happen and it can happen in a safe way. And that judgment is not being passed. If you and I disagree, we need to be able to disagree and still be colleagues and still continue to work together. And if as the business owner, I am creating a viewpoint that is in counter to yours. And then I have to allow you the opportunity to um, allow, that's not quite the word I want to use, provide you with an opportunity to have your, your viewpoint heard, support that, and, and have no ramifications as a result of differing from, you know, the supervisors. You as the individual make the decision if you can continue to be part of a team that is so different from yourself, right? That, that the, I, these individuals and I do not agree on this fundamental piece of information and I need to, to move along. Great. Then do it in a way that's professional and done correctly and, and is based on um, a solid foundation that you can stand by that you've made that decision. The team that's remaining needs to respect that you made that decision as a result. So those are the things, I mean, I would rather, you know, truly, if I'm going to be talking about these things, I would really rather be focusing on the impact they're making on the individuals that are part of my team. And, you know, my, the, the what I bring to the table, my experiences, my viewpoint is just one example of how this information gets heard and wh- how it lands on particular people. And, you know, policies can be created and information can be shared and all sorts of ways that are taking a stand without posting something on Facebook, right? There's a lot of ways to to empower individuals to to have these opinions and have these opinions be made public. That doesn't mean 
shouting them from the rooftops, unless that's what they choose to do. So it's, it's, it's one of the more difficult things that uh, communications professionals have to deal with is this controversial information that has so many different perspectives. You know, it, it, they're, 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 this is not fact-based. This is very much opinion and emotional, you know, decision-making. And, um, you know, there's, there's not a chapter in my PR textbook that says what to do in the event of something that causes such angst in the office. There's just, there's just not. So it has to be a mindset of respect for individuals' opinions that the authenticity of our organization is such that we respect those differences and that the differences are what make us a stronger company and make us a better team because we come to things with different viewpoints. And you and I can disagree on a particular belief, but we respect our company. We want to work together and we can you know, move forward from you know, what that looks like. I know that's not easy and I know that's really, you know, I can sit here behind the microphone and, and talk about all this. In practice, it becomes more difficult, but we have to start it somewhere. And here seems like the best place to do that. I mean, I think the practice that you're pointing to is the, pr- the practice we all uh, can engage in t- to great benefit. And that is navigating difference without adding antagonism to it. I mean, difference is a fact. There are differences. There are so many differences. When someone wants you to believe that this or that difference should now be a problem or a threat or something, that person has an agenda. I I don't think we as individual human beings in this life together need to buy into that at all. And we can begin to discover and appreciate those differences. And it's going to make us uncomfortable because it means that if I'm taking difference seriously, I take seriously the opinion of somebody who I profoundly disagree with and who I may actually think is perpetuating the oppression of hundreds of millions of people. But yelling at that person or or being righteous about it doesn't solve the problem doesn't get us anywhere so i don't think we need to tolerate <laughs> this is where it gets messy right i don't think we need to tolerate truly diabolical and disastrous points of view and at the same time i don't think that we should pretend that we don't have an opinion just to try to avoid rocking the boat or not alienating our customers or anything of that nature. None of those, neither of those options seem right. So the middle ground somewhere is where we need to end up. It is. And, you know, and I, as I started this the conversation, I don't know that there's a, there is a best practice, a tried and true, a chapter in the PR textbook that says, you know, this is what you have to do. It's, and I think it's evolving. You know, I, I think conversations like this didn't necessarily happen 10, 12, 15 years ago. Again, we kept a lot of our personal opinions private. And, you know, there were still decisions being made, you know, legislative decisions were being made and such. And, you know, they were impacting us and such. But we didn't come to work outraged and wanting to discuss it in the same way that I feel like we are now because we maybe have created opportunity for people to feel empowered to make their opinions known um, in a very vocal, loud, demonstrative way. 
and it's respect, it's authenticity, it's it's honoring a different opinion. It is allowing you and I to disagree. And I I don't have to like your opinion, but I, I can still like you. Up until the moment when you can't. I mean, <laughs> right. And, and when I can't, it has nothing to do with all of this, right? But it's 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 such a difficult conversation to have. And, and it's because there's for everything I'm saying here, I I could have a different discussion with someone else and their and their viewpoint. You know what? You're right. I don't know. This maybe this isn't the right approach. And so we have we have to start it somewhere. Again, it to me it's it's respecting the viewpoints. It's finding a place for that information to be. It's it's from a if we're keeping this at the business level, it's you have a team of individuals, all of which are coming to your workplace from different backgrounds, different perspectives, different experiences. And those experiences might not align with yours, but that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just different. And, you know, what we do now as a, you know, organizationally, what we do, um, you know, politically on some of these things is, you know, is really to be determined and, and you know, where, where, companies and individuals choose to align themselves and participate in the process um, is is yet to be seen. And, and, you know, we could probably talk about this again in, you know, and a month from now and have a very different show because other things will have happened that will inform, you know, what we're thinking about today. And, you know, this might have, this conversation is very much opinion driven, um, this is again is not a um, you know a, a textbook responses, but um, my opinions are based in my experiences, and if that's practicing what I just said, we need to be doing, which is bringing those you know to the forefront for discussion. Mm-hmm.